Let's go ahead and pray. We do have some awesome things to get through because it's from the word of God. So let's go ahead and continue our worship and pray and study the word of God. Oh, Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy as we do and should do every day. Thank you, Father, for the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who indwells us and guides us and molds us into the image of Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us to serve. And we'll learn more about that tonight. I thank you for every servant on this campus. May you empower him or her to to do your will, Father, and to serve in joy and love. We pray for safety on this campus tonight. We pray for every heart, including mine, to be receptive to your word and to the work of your spirit. Oh, Lord, we pray for understanding. We pray for application of your word to our lives with your help. And I pray for the gift of teaching. So, Father, may I please decrease. May you help me to do that while you increase and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So so tonight, of course, as you can see um, with the title of the message uh, being entitled and unwrap your gift. Um, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today. We're at that point in the letter to the Romans in chapter 12, verses three through eight, where uh, it's time to um, study that section and and talk about these gifts. But before we get into the spiritual gifts, I want to point out the differences between skills and talents. I think some people get the skills, talents and spiritual gifts confused. And I've done this before in our study um, in the book of Judges a while back. So this would be a refresher for many and new to some. Uh, But the first thing I want to start with are skills. Now, skills are abilities that are taught. They are learned or acquired over time and by practice. So you could, you're not born with the skill to, to type on a keyboard that, that, that plugs into a computer so forth or so forth. But, um, you can learn that skill over time. Not born with that. Um, you can learn how to take a shovel and, and dig up dirt. Um, so you can do that. You can learn that. You can learn those skills. To learn a trade. Now, talents are special or unique abilities that not everyone has. They are more natural to the person who has it. For example, singing and playing instruments, that comes easier for some people. It's God-given. People who are creative in art and writing. It's God-given talents, God-given abilities. And that person's talent is discovered and it can still, of course, be fine tuned with practice and effort. Now, as I mentioned, skills and talents, you may notice or it may have already come to your mind that, yes, unbelievers can have skills and talents just like believers can. Believers, of course, we have skills and talents. But of course, Unbelievers, and when we were unbelievers, what I mean by that is that when I mention unbeliever, I mean people who have not repented and put their faith in Christ. And of course, many of us who are Christians in here, all of us who are Christians now have been at one point unbelievers. And we've noticed that we had skills and talents, but we were not using them for God's glory. 
And so there are many talented people, for example, who can sing. They could put together rhymes at the drop of a hat without writing anything down. Those are talents, but not using them for God's glory. But many Christians are. Now, one thing that the world unbelievers do not have, they do not have the gifts of the spirit and they don't have the gifts of the spirit. And the word spirit, of course, has a capital S because I'm talking about God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And so when I say gifts of the spirit, I want you to picture the word spirit with the capital S because we're talking about God and only believers, only believers have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The scriptures teach that uh, Jesus taught that. And so as we think about these gifts of the spirit, now that our minds are there. Let's look at verse three, because I think at this point we're ready. It says, for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt or assigned to each one, to each believer, a measure or degree of faith. So first off, we see an instruction by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul of what not to do. And what not to do is to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And we call that pride. And sometimes pride creeps in in times when we're having great success. We look back at the success. We look back at the accomplishments, the achievements, and we begin to think, look what I have done. Pride, thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Well, the Holy Spirit says, do not do that. See, sometimes we're, we get to that point where we begin to forget that we are trophies. We're actually trophies of God's grace. That he took people who were sinners, living that lifestyle of sin, practicing evil, things that do not please God. And he saved us and he made us into a new creation and forgave us of all of our sins, wiped the slate clean of our past life. And we forget that we are as believers where we are because of the grace of God, we're trophies of his grace where God can look at us as we look at some of those trophies on our shelves and say, wow, that, that's, that's amazing. I remember when I did that, well, God can look at our lives and, and, and get a glimpse and even other people get a, get to get a glimpse of all that God has done. This person could not save himself or herself. This this person was down in the dumps and spiritually dirty and the righteousness, their righteousness is filthy rags, but but yet and still the same person who nobody could change, self-help books or whatever the case may be, human counselors couldn't change. This person couldn't change him or herself. But yet and still, God, by his spirit, was able to change us. That's what I mean by we're trophies of his grace. 
It's by the grace of God that that we are saved, as it tells us in Ephesians 2, that we are saved by grace, which is received, of course, through our faith. And that salvation, of course, is a gift of God. It is not according to any work that we have done, but simply, again, by his grace, his unmerited, unearned favor bestowed upon All of us who are in here today and calling Jesus our personal Savior and Lord. And so we forget that whatever we've accomplished, whatever skills that we have, although many of them learned all all the talents that we have, we forget sometimes that it's because of God It's again, because of his grace. And Apostle Paul understood that he understood that he was made an apostle. He understood that he had this authority to speak to these Christians because of the grace given to him, as we see in the first part of Romans 12, three. Some of us, as we're talking about spiritual gifts, we begin to to think that it's because of us that that we're so gifted Some of us even get to the point where we think that the gift we have from God is better than someone else's gift. Where both of them came from God. Both of them came from the Holy Spirit. And when we're thinking like that, once again, we are thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. The scriptures tell us that there is only one place that that pride will lead us. And so we go to the Old Testament for a witness to that point. Because the Old Testament in Proverbs sixteen eighteen tells us the one place that pride can lead us. It says that pride goes before destruction. So if pride is point A, then point B is destruction. And a haughty or arrogant spirit comes before a fall. So the one place that pride will lead us, us thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, the one place that it will lead us is down. As Jesus says, if anyone exhausts themselves, they will be brought down low or abased. But at the same time, the scriptures tell us, it says that God resists the proud. But guess what? He gives grace. It's unearned, unmerited favor to the humble. So either we lower ourselves or God will lower us. We don't want his help in doing that. It it may not be pleasant, but but God wants us to to be in that place of humility so we could truly experience his grace, his blessings. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. It's not the way the world has it. It's not according to the ways of the world. We live in a different kingdom. See, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. So humility is the way in God's sight, in God's kingdom, to be exalted. So do not think, just to wrap up that point, more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. But then on the flip side of that, we are told how we should be thinking about ourselves. And that word soberly is put there in the scriptures. And that word uh, soberly or sober means to put a moderate estimate upon oneself. In other words, we have an honest evaluation of ourselves. We we are seeing ourselves the way we are in reality, seeing ourselves from God point of view. So we want a moderate estimate 
upon ourselves. So we don't want to think too highly of ourselves. But then some people go to the extreme and think too lowly of themselves as well. And so we want to see ourselves from God's point of view. And I, and I like this because it gives us a standard, speaking of God's point of view, of how we ought to look at ourselves. Because the last part of verse 3 says, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So in looking at ourselves soberly and not looking at ourselves too highly than we ought to think. In other words, when we do that, the standard we're using to have that honest evaluation of ourselves is the measure of faith that God has given to us. The measure of faith that God has given to us is the standard that helps us to have a a sober or clear, correct view of ourselves. In fact, I like the way it's worded in the New Living Translation. And I'm just reading that last part of verse 3. It says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And then in the J.B. Phillips New Testament, again, reading that same last part of verse 3, it says, try to have a sane, not insane, but a sane estimate of your capabilities By what? By the light of the faith that God has given to you all. So that should be the standard we're to use in viewing ourselves. And it's going to help us to view ourselves in the proper light. And one commentator puts it this way. They say, because each believer receives his measure of faith by God's allotment, we are prevented from thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. Moving on to verses four and five, it says, for as we have many members, as we have many parts in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we talking about the church now being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So if you will, please turn with me to first Corinthians 12. Verses 12 through 19. Then we're going to see that it's pretty much saying the same thing as verses uh, four and five. So first Corinthians 12. 12 through 19, and we'll be jumping around in first Corinthians 12. But it says for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And this baptism is different from being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because with that experience in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus is talking about, Jesus is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit is the element. Jesus is the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is the element. When we're talking about being baptized with the Spirit that Jesus talked about in Acts chapter 1. And so with that baptism, being baptized with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us for service, empowers us to be witnesses for him. But here we are seeing that the spirit is the baptizer 
And the element that we're being baptized to into is the body of Christ. So this is a different baptism. For by one spirit, we were all baptized in one body. We were placed, in other words, in the church, in the body of Christ, when we repented and put our faith in Christ. And then in verse 14, it says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. It sounds like Romans 12. If the foot should say, but I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Or because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the body were an eye, verse 17, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And so now you see that the church is being compared to a literal human body in Romans 12, as well as in first Corinthians chapter 12. We see this analogy. We see this comparison. And of course, we know that the human body has many parts, fingers, arms, toes, ears, nose. A literal human body has many parts. And when God designed a human body, he put those various parts where he wanted to, where he saw they would fit. So praise God, my nose is not where my ear is. And that that would be weird. So, so God, in his wisdom, put every part where he felt that it would make most sense. He's wise. And it says, and then just getting back to my point, that, that just like how the human body has many parts, it's, it's the same way in the body of Christ, speaking of the church. There was one body of Christ. There was, there was one church. This is just one location of the worldwide church. And so we would call Calvary Chapel, Queen Creek, the local church. But the church is worldwide, worldwide of any believer, of any language who put their faith in the Jesus of the Bible, of these scriptures that we're reading from tonight. And so the church has many members, but one body. And in the human body, the, the different body parts have different functions as well as placement. Same way in the body of Christ. Different placement, each member, each believer, different placement in the body of Christ, in the church. Also, of course, different function, hinting at the spiritual gifts. First Corinthians 12, 1, it says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So just getting back to that point with God and his wisdom placing our literal body parts where they are, that they'll have a certain function in his wisdom and in the body of Christ, in his wisdom again, according to his will. As we see in first Corinthians 12, 11, according to his will, the gifts are distributed. We have the functions that he wants us to have. And so we can't complain that, oh, I don't have this gift or that gift. No, God put us where he sees best for the church, where he's where, where he sees what would be good for the church. He's wisdom. We can't question God. We're not wiser than him. 
Who can be God's counselor? Who has ever counseled him? The scriptures ask. And as each part of the body is necessary for the body to function at 100 percent, each member of the church, each believer of the body of Christ. Needs to function at 100 percent as well, which means that each member of the body of Christ is necessary and so we can't look down at on some other believer and think they're not necessary because we need each and every believer for the function for the church to function at 100%. That is the way God wants it to function. In other words, we depend on one another. Just like I depend on my different uh, body parts to do certain things. I mean, it'll be very difficult for me to eat and I like to eat. If if my hands weren't working properly, I want to be able to bring and I know my brother Joe here likes in and out burger. It will be difficult for me to bring an in and out burger to my mouth if my fingers are not working properly. I mean, I could get the job done. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying it it works better when every part of my body is working. If I'm able to drive to in and out, you know, that means my feet are working properly. My eyes are working properly, and so I can get there to to purchase it. I could dig in my pocket, right, to to get the money out. Unless Joe is going to let me borrow some money to buy the burger. But 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 the point is, we need every member to 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 function properly. Every member is necessary. Now, having then gifts in verse six, back in Romans 12, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy or prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, prophecy could involve foretelling, as you see in the book of Acts. But but you see, even in the book of Acts, the, the, the foretelling never contradicted the word of God. So can God show people things that are going to happen in the future today? Of course, but it's not going to contradict the word of God. For example, we, you know, maybe God can give us a dream of something that's going to happen. You know, it won't have anything to do with contradicting the word of God. You know, so I've experienced that, not not me doing that, but I've experienced that with the brother in the body of Christ. He says, God showed him something and it happened, but it had nothing to do with scripture. So it didn't even contradict scripture. So if that happens, if foretelling and prophesying happens, it will never, ever contradict scripture. If it does, if somebody dreams something or tells you something that they're foretelling and it contradicts the word of God, you have nothing to fear. Don't even bother listening to it. But most of the time, most of the time these days, it's going to be forth telling. It's going to be declaring the truth of God and prophesying. If you read first uh, Corinthians chapter 14, it involves edification. That means building up. It promotes growth. It, it, it involves exhortation. It involves comfort, words of comfort. These are words that ease the grief or trouble. And so it's directed to people. It's directed to people in the church. And you'll see that once again in 1 Corinthians 14. And oftentimes uh, prophesying goes along with teaching or preaching the word of God. 
And so if you if you ever spoke with somebody or maybe heard somebody share a message and and by the time you leave out of there, you're, you're thinking that somebody must have said something to the preacher. A lot of times that's that's that gift being in operation. I like to call it a timely word, and it, and it comes from the word of God. So you're just speaking for if you're not randomly opening up the Bible, you know, just telling somebody something that sounds good. But you're, you're, you're sharing a word that they need to hear at a particular time. You don't know that they need to hear it. You don't know all of what's going on. But God gives you this impression that that this verse needs to be shared and you can't shake it. And so you, you share it. And so some of you have experienced that. And so it involves that edification and exhortation and comfort words spoken to men. Again, first Corinthians 14, verse three. But it is to be used in proportion to the faith given by God. And in verse seven, it says, or ministry. And here's another gift. Let us use it in our ministering. So ministry is just serving others, helping to meet other people's needs and so if if that's your gift serving others and we see this around here a lot you know they see pastor jim moving starting to move chairs and then somebody's jumping right in Uh, what do you want me to do you know so we have many people many believers in this very church in this local church who have this gift of ministry and so if you have ministry then use it let us use it in our ministry In other words, a simpler way to put it is anyone who has the gift of serving should serve. That's a simple way to put it. And he who teaches, whoever has the gift of teaching. And use then use it, then teach. And teaching, of course, is just explaining God's truth. He who exhorts in verse eight. Then in exhortation and and, and exhorting is encouraging others and urging them to action. So whenever you hear somebody share and then you're like, wow, I need to I need to do something with what I heard. And you're just encouraged to to put into action the lesson, the message. If you hear that from somebody, maybe somebody sitting next to you, maybe that that happened with them just sharing a word with you. And you're like, wow, I need to stop doing that or I need to start doing that. And maybe that person have that gift of exhortation, encouraging others, urging them to to put into action the word of God. Now, how about the one who gives still in verse eight? That, that's simple to to explain the people who have the gift of giving. They they have that heart and the ability to share. So if you have the gift of giving, then do it with liberality. In other words, do it generously. Whoever has the gift of leading or has leadership ability, ability, then do it with diligence In other words, do it with seriousness, do it with enthusiasm. Whoever shows or has the gift of mercy. That is having this extra ability to be compassionate to those who are hurting. If you have that gift, it says do it with cheerfulness, do it gladly. And one thing that came to mind as I was doing this study, as I was preparing and praying over this study, I I, I thought about one of our ministries that we have here. It's called Ambassadors of Hope. And I believe that, that many people who are a part of that ministry has this gift of mercy. They have this extra ability to be compassionate to those who are hurting, not only to those people who are hurting, but also to their families. 
We have so many people that sometimes we, I get phone calls and messages and, and emails of people wanting to know, is there somebody I can help? Is there somebody I could be a blessing to? And it is such a blessing, especially around Christmas time, we get, we get those calls. And so we, we have people, um, you know, with the gift of giving. So that's an example of that that I mentioned there, but the gift of mercy. You know, do you have the phone number to, to the hospital that, that to so-and-so is at? I want to go to the hospital and pray with them before or after surgery. Mercy. But there's more gift and gifted offices that are not included in this chapter. And so if you have a finger still in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we're going to, you know, like I said, we'll be jumping around. So we're going to uh, go backwards and look at verses 8 through 10 and look at more gifts. And I can't spend a whole lot of time on this. I mean, really, you can you can spend a lesson on each gift because there are examples of this being used, of these gifts being used by Jesus, as well as the apostles and the believers, as you see in the book of Acts. So lots of time can be spent on this. So forgive me if I can't uh, spend too much time on any one gift. Uh, but in verse eight here in first Corinthians 12. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Now, that's the ability to have the right words when an issue arises. So, oh, we have a problem. How are we going to resolve this issue? What are we going to do? Well, the, the, the Holy Spirit may give somebody that, that, that gift of wisdom. And then when they speak it, everybody was like, you know what? That makes sense. Let's do that. And then it actually works. That's an example of the word of wisdom. Now, to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Now, this is the ability to gain knowledge of an issue or a person without anybody telling you about that issue or person. And so sometimes you could be in prayer or just talking to somebody and God may may bring some knowledge to your attention. And sometimes it's so you can pray for that. And I've had a person you know, exercise that to me about something in my life, you know, something I never told him. And so I've seen that gift in action as well. The word of knowledge, and it just comes out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, but from the Holy Spirit. And in verse nine, it says to another faith by the same spirit. Now, this is an extra boost of faith in a particular situation. And so you don't know how you're going to get out of the situation. All the doors seem to be closed. You're caught in the pickle. But yet and still you have this peace. You have this calmness. You have this, this extra boost of faith that everything is going to be all right. And there's no doubt in your mind that it's going to be all right, that it's going to work out. And so that is that gift of faith. And then to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Now gifts of healings, they, they can be received or you could be a vessel through whom the Holy Spirit works to heal someone else. So if you've been healed by God, then you receive the gift of healing. Some of you have been used by him as a vessel to, to heal someone else, but it's the Holy Spirit doing that. And then to another in verse 10, the working of miracles. I have to define miracle because when we say miracle, what is meant by that is a divine intervention into the regular course of the natural world 
So it's a special act of God that produces a purposeful event in the world which would not or could not have occurred otherwise. So it's impossible for us as people, but God could do it. You know, so normally when we think of one of the natural laws, one of the laws we think about is gravity. If you go up, you got to come down. What goes up comes down. But in the miracle, if God wanted to, he can cause something to float all the way up. He wanted to. And so, so we see that, um, you know, with the ascension of Jesus. He went up and he kept going up. Right? And one day he's going to come back for his church and what we call the rapture. And we're going to meet him and the other believers in the air. And we're going we're to be there until he comes back with us. And I believe that happens after the tribulation. When he comes back with us and then sets up his kingdom. But first he comes for us. And, and so we have the working of miracles and casting out demons and, and things like that will be put under miracles to another prophecy. And so we talked about that one already to another discerning of spirits. You're distinguishing or you're able to distinguish between good and evil spirits. You know, to some people, some people just have this heightened awareness you know, something ain't right. So everybody else is there. They're just thinking everything's okay. It's normal. But, but, but those of you who have that, that discerning of spirits, this heightened ability to do that, you're like, right away, you're like, I gotta leave. Right away, I gotta get away from, you know, I can't, I gotta stop hanging around this person. You know, right away, you sense it where everybody else is having a good old time. And you're wondering, why, why are you there? Why can't you sense this? Well, maybe it's because you have the discerning of spirits. Maybe you have that gift. And then another gift is the different kinds of tongues. This is worshiping God through praise in a previously unearned, unlearned language. You know, we're told in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that the gift of tongues, you're actually speaking to God and not to men. So it's directed to God. And so if you had the other gift that we're told to pray about, and we actually told to pray about the interpretation of tongues. So if somebody actually interpreted tongues, what they will hear is not a message of preaching. Because then that will most likely be prophecy because that's directed to men. First Corinthians 14. But what you will most likely hear in an interpretation of tongues is praise directed to God. And it could be an earthly language that you previously had not known, or it could be the language, of, uh, a heavenly language that tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. But, but all of these are given by God, the Holy Spirit. And he's sovereign and he gives these gifts according to his will. In Ephesians 4.11, then you see some of the office gifts, various offices and he gave and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And some people may wonder, what is an apostle? And are there apostles today? And I'll try my best to answer that question. That word apostle means you know, they're a special ambassador, a special representative of Christ, of God. An apostle is a messenger or is, or one who is sent forth with orders. 
One who is sent forth with orders is an apostle. Now, today, there are none who fit the strict description of the first century apostle. Because the first century apostle, apostle that we know of, like, like Paul and Peter, John and so forth, they were used by God to set the foundation, the, the foundational teachings of the church. And they've been with Jesus prior to the crucifixion and are witnesses of his resurrection. So in the strict sense of the first century apostles who had that foundational ministry for the church, that apostle, that apostle can't exist. An apostle with that same authority. However, there are those who are ambassadors of God who are sent forth with orders today and are being used to help with church plants. Now, they don't have the same authority of the apostle that we think of the 12 apostles. But there are some who are sent forth with orders and being used to help with church plants. And we usually use the term missionary. You know, and because we don't want to get them confused with apostle. They may think they have the same authority as the ones that, that Jesus appointed. But then some may ask, well, is anyone a prophet today? Well, if there is, they will not, again, have the same foundational setting ministry as the earlier prophets. Those earlier prophets, they were they were if you read Ephesians Two verse 20, you'll see that the first century apostles and prophets, they had a foundation uh, setting ministry, helping to set the foundational teachings of the church before the scriptures were completed. And so in, in but in Acts, in the New Testament, you do see that there are prophets. It talks about prophets each taking turns in first in Corinthians 14. One prophet can speak at the same time. And so if anyone has that office today, then again, as I mentioned earlier, they will not be able to supersede scripture. And most of what they say will be forthtelling of the word of God that has already been revealed. And then what are evangelists? Now, the evangelists are those who are specially gifted to preach the gospel to the lost. And so you may see a bunch of them. They travel. They go from stadium to stadium and sharing the word of God. They go street witnessing. I mean, their hearts are stirred, you know, to do those things. So all of us should be sharing the gospel as believers. But you have those who are specially gifted with this office of evangelists to preach the gospel to the lost. And then you have pastor and teachers. Now, according to many commentators and according to the uh, ancient Greek, these two terms should actually be linked together. So it should be pastor dash teachers, pastor teachers. In First Timothy three, it tells us that 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 the bishop or pastor they should be able to teach they should have the gift of teaching and so again many believe this is pastor teachers this is one office with two functions and so number one he oversees the flock of god but then feeds the flock as well by what by using the word of god now, after talking about these spiritual gifts and these gifted offices, there are some things that we need to note, some things that we need to remember. We need to remember, first off, that gifts are more useful and meaningful if they are used in love. First Corinthians chapter 13, if you want to write that down. Another thing we need to remember about spiritual gifts is that the, the ways in which we serve or minister may look different. 
Somebody may have the same gift, but use it in the children's ministry. Another person may have the same gift that they that another believer has in the children's ministry, and, and they may use it in uniquely special. And, and so you can have the same gift, but but have different offices and have different outlets for it. Another thing you'll notice or we need to remember about spiritual gifts is that the activities of the spiritual gifts may look different from believer to believer. So don't compare yourself with another believer. One believer may have a larger audience than another. One one believer who has the gift of teaching may have one style and another one with the gift of teaching has another style. But it's the same gift. You know, even the miracles, if God decides to use somebody to do it as a vessel, uh, of a gift of, of the gift of miracles that may look different even in the life of jesus we saw that he didn't do every single miracle the same way for some people he spit and then healed their blindness for some people he just spoke the word and they were healed and, and so that's what we need to understand that the activities of the gift the effects of the gifts may look different from believer to believer and depending on the circumstance and the main thing to to, to remember about the gifts is that they are given for the profit of all. Given for the profit of all. Spiritual gifts. Now, speaking of gifts, we we received literal gifts just this past season, Christmas. And 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 when we get that gift, there's this element of surprise and expectation, expecting to to get something exciting. But at the same time, there is this, there is this feeling of gratitude that fills our hearts that, that someone would care enough to give us a gift. And, and it's a personal example for me that, you know, just this past Christmas, my, I mean, my kids, my wife, they, they showed out. Now, I don't ask for much, but, you know, these, these kids showed out. You know, one of my sons, he, he made like a card. This is this is my 22 year old. He, you know, he's an engineer now, graduated from U of A. He 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 made this card. It looked like a kitty card. He just drew pictures on it. And he was a little kid or something. A 22 year old doing that. And on the and on the cover it says it says something like and I might get be getting the words mixed up, but it says something like, um, "You have helped pay for my tuition." And then I opened the thing. He has some money attached to it. Said, "Now I'm going to help pay for yours, because I'm in because I'm in Bible college." And so, I, I can't remember the time when I almost cried over a gift. But I was like, "Man, I like, this dude is really trying to make me cry." But, but there's that element of surprise, this element of expectation and and gratitude when somebody gives you a gift. But but going back to for to, to the spiritual gifts, are we as excited? Do we have that expectation? Do we do we have that 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 element of, of of just surprise and just gratitude when it comes to the spiritual gifts? Are we excited about that? See, each believer has at least one gift. And so the exhortation tonight is to unwrap that gift. But how do we unwrap that gift? Well, first of all, we have to pray. Seek the Lord's face. Lord, what gift have you given to me on this side of heaven? That you want me to use to be a blessing to the body of Christ. And don't you think that God wants you to be useful in the body of Christ. So he's not going to hide that information from you. So pray about that. 
And then, of course, we have believers here. We have uh, pastors here. We have elders here. Where we can pray. We can pray with you to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We can pray with you so that you'll be able to discover and unwrap that spiritual gift or gifts that God has allowed you to borrow and use on this side of eternity. But then another thing we need to do to unwrap that spiritual gift is, is to think about what we're desiring. How are we desiring to serve? Now, why is that important? It's important because Philippians 2.13 says that it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So if you're desiring to do something all the time and you keep thinking about doing it and, and you just can't shake it, maybe it is God who put in you that desire to go ahead and use that gift. So that's another way to unwrap that gift. And then there's a question you can ask yourself. A question you can ask yourself is, are, are there any open doors to exercise this gift? Because sometimes that could be a sign. There could be an opening or openings in, the various, in, in various ministries. That could give you a hint as to which you're gifted. That could be God nudging you in the right direction. And if that's the case, if there's an open door in that area of service that you have this desire to be a to be a part of, then I encourage you to walk through that open door. And then another way to discover this gift, to unwrap the spiritual gift or gifts you have is to look at the results. After you walk through that door, after you step out in faith and, and try to serve. Look at the results. So if you think your gift is leadership and you try to step up into the area of leadership, ask yourself, is anyone following or if you're moving into action and and you're trying to exhort somebody, give somebody a word of encouragement, word of exhortation. Are they actually being encouraged or discouraged? Do they actually want to move into action or are you pushing them further away from what you encouraging them to do? Look at the results. Are people blessed when you reach out to them with compassion? With that gift of mercy you believe that you have. Are they actually being blessed? Or do they actually find you annoying? That could be a hint. So that's another hint. You know, look at the, look at the results. Now, after it is confirmed what gift that you have, that God has given to you through his spirit, and, and of course, start using it. It says that in verse 6 of Romans 12, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So you discover it, then use it. And then we're going to start seeing some awesome results as the worship team comes to the stage. You're going to start seeing some awesome results as each member in the body of Christ begins to use his or her gifts that the spirit had, that the Holy Spirit had divvied out according to his will. And one result that we'll see is that it's going to promote unity. It's going to promote growth. In the body of Christ. And I like how the New Living Translation puts it in Ephesians 4 verse 16. It says he speaking of Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So when we stop coming to church, it's not a guilt trip. When we stop coming to church, being around other believers and using the gifts God wants us to use on this side of eternity, then we are selling ourselves short. 
We are selling the church short of those gifts that God wants to use us to practice in order to promote unity and growth in the body of Christ. Now, another thing that happens when we begin to use our gift or gifts is that we will show ourselves to be a good steward of God. Because the spiritual gifts are given to us according to God's grace. They are called gifts of the spirit because they belong to him. And as we use those gifts, we are showing that we are good managers over God's property, these spiritual gifts. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. To one another. You can't do that if you're trying to be a closet Christian. You can't do that if you're trying to be a renegade Christian. You can't do that if you're saying every church I've been to is wrong, so I'm just going to stay at home and teach myself. You can't be good stewards of the gift that God wants you to use if you're trying to be this renegade Rambo or whatever you want to call it, Christian. And so we'll show ourselves to be a good steward when we're practicing the gift or gifts God has deposited in us according to his grace. But then, of course, last week we talked about giving our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to him, which is our reasonable, logical, spiritual act of service. And that's what happens when we use the spiritual gifts. We're actually demonstrating that, yes, I'm living, but I'm I'm giving my body to God, allowing him to, to use me as a vessel, as a conduit, as a blessings to help promote growth in the body of Christ. And then the final point. And it's a very important point, because this is this is why we are living, not 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 just using the gifts. And being obedient to the word of God, but why we're living is to give God glory. And so that's the final point I want to share with you about the results of using our gifts. Is that just as obeying his word. Just as when we do that, he's glorified. He's glorified or honored. When we use what he gave us on this side of heaven. To be a blessing to the body of Christ. So don't sell yourself short. Don't think too highly. Or lowly that you. Then you ought to think. Some people think too lowly. Oh they don't need me. Thinking too lowly. Some people think too highly. I need to be there. Or else nobody's going to have it together. We're told not to do that right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We pray that those of us who have not discovered the spiritual gifts you want us to use, that, Lord, we will be open, unashamed, unafraid to discover and use them to use them for your glory, to use them to be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those of us who know what our gift is or our gifts are, and we just 
been sitting on the bench thinking somebody else is going to do it. I pray, Lord, that convict us of of that sin, convict us of holding that back and prompt us to use those gifts. I pray for anybody in here who's an unbeliever and even getting by in life with just skills and talents. Or maybe attending church. Haven't put their faith in Christ, but getting by on skills and talents. Lord, I pray right now that you convict them of sin and reveal to them that as with all humanity, they're sinners in need of a savior. And I pray that you'll draw them tonight. And Lord, I pray for every believer who is, or yeah, every believer who is using the gifts right now. That Lord, you would send a fresh anointing of your spirit in their lives. From the crown of their heads to the sole of their feet. Lord, may you refresh them. Some of them, Lord, are tired. And some of them, Father, may be thinking, why am I doing this? I'm not seeing the results that I thought I would see. And they want to just put their gifts on the shelf and go somewhere else or just stay home or just quit. I I pray for them, Father, that you would refresh them, that you would send that fresh anointing. That, Lord, they would get back to that place of their first love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for coming out. Thank you for your attentiveness, your prayers, your love. Thank you even for laughing at my silly jokes. But we love you here. God bless you. May God keep you. Be safe on the way home. And if you need prayer, um, we'll be here willing and ready to pray with you. Amen. God bless. Amen. I like what Pastor Rell was talking about. That, well, I guess the word talks about it. Pride can get in the way of, of you receiving a gift. Um, that became very evident to me uh, when one time we were kind of a little bit short on money. Imagine that. And uh, and so my dad gave me like a $200 check or something, which was like kind of shocking to me. And I was like, I can't take this. I can't take this. But the funny thing is, is we were actually praying for God to provide for our needs. And I was so prideful. And my dad called me on it. And he's like... He's like, this is a gift. You know, how did you receive salvation and you're not going to take this gift? And it was like, just bam, I was so humbled. But how often does God do that to us? And we're like, nope, nope, nope. Just maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. So. Let's sing, uh, yeah, Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle work, promise.
Jesus, keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are way maker. You are way maker. Miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, that is who you are. 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 Oh, that is who you are. 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 Even when I don't see. Stop, never stop working, never stop, never stop working, even when I don't see it you working, even when I don't feel it you working, never stop, never stop working, never stop, never stop working, even when I don't see it you working, even when I don't feel it you working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, that is who you are. 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 Oh, that is who you are. 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 Yes, Lord, help us just to be able to receive those gifts that you have for us. To understand those gifts, to be able to use those gifts, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify you. We thank you that you've given us faith. So help us to receive those gifts by faith and utilize them for your glory. Draw us closer to you. Keep us from sin. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come up if you need prayer.